welcome to another edition of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro. But this week, I'd also like to thank you, the listener, for all the support you've given me over the last year or two. As this week, we head towards a very special milestone and a very special episode we have to celebrate it with. Top Lines and Tales is excited this week because it'll, it's coming towards our 100,000th download. Who would have thought that... In December uh-huh. 2020, that we very first started this, that there'd be 100,000 episodes and people that would listen to it. And uh, the uh-huh. very first episode that we had, um, we had uh, some fantastic guests on there, and I was so excited about it. And then everything went wrong. The technology went wrong, mm-hmm. and it all went to ratchet. And um, eventually, we managed to stop and re-record best part of an hour's recording the second time and when it happened my three guests on there had a bit of time talking to each other while they were waiting and uh, they all sat and got pissed together with some drams of, drams of whiskey and uh, by the time we got back on the second time there they were they were well opened up and and, and my, oh, God. my very first very first guest is on here tonight and that's uh, ian anderson ian and madge anderson it's so fantastic to have you back on again 125 episodes later that's very good and uh, I do really feel like that having the pair of you on, it's like talking to royalty. Really, you are the you are the you are the kings and queens of the beef world. The pair of you, and uh, <laughs> you must be joking. <laughs> everybody knows you, and more to the point, you you take the time to know everybody else. So, uh, um, Ian and Madge, it's just great to have you on, and we've got a special occasion on this this weekend, I believe. Yes, it is, uh-huh. and uh, it's this Saturday evening. We're actually heading off to Pitlochry tomorrow morning to uh, spend a couple of nights in the hotel that we were uh, were married in and uh, had the reception. <laughs> so, so the rem- reminiscing. And, that, and I'm right in thinking, Madge, that 60 years ago is that right? How the hell did he put up with Ian for 60 years? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's not too bad, Andy. He's not too He's bad. Not too bad. He's not too bad. Well, sixty years since you were last in. I hope the hope they've all the bed springs a little bit since uh, since that day that day a long time ago. Are you are you insinuating uh, that we'll better test the bed springs in Pitlochry Hotel? You best had to and and and, and give, him, give him some free water after too. sixty years. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's brilliant to have you both on here, and, and, and we've known each other, I've not known you for 60 years, obviously we've known each other a long time through days back in Smithfield, and you guys were aye, very good to meet. I remember you first, Andy, aye. And, and Ian, we'll just, we'll just go back to the beginning a little bit, and, and pre-Madge days, I think you left school at 15 years old, and, and my right, you think you went and worked for your father? Yeah, I left school in, in the Gowrie School, actually, near Dundee, Uh at 15, just went to work as a general farm worker under my father, who was the manager mm-hmm. at uh, a place called Millenfield Farm, right beside Indragori Village. And uh, it was a, a farm, as you know, a normal farm at the time, but it was it was taken over by uh, the, the Horticultural Research uh, Station. That's probably what it still is now. And my, yes. my father wasn't uh, into that type of thing. But anyway, he left there and then he went to, uh, as a farm manager to a place called Ballinamon uh, at Ballinloo near Pitlochry. And uh, I just was lucky enough to follow him uh, there and uh, and got more interested because it was a, a suckle calf producing outfit where we sold the suckle calves at McDonald Fraser at that time okay. in Perth. And he'd be a bit of a taskmaster, your father, would he be? Uh, aye, you could never be, you could never please him, in other words. <laughs> but he, was, he wasn't a bad, he was, he was a good ta- taskmaster. You learned, but learned the hard way, in other words, you know. Well. So, and I think it would be there that, say, I got um, more interested in, in the cattle. Okay, and and then you went off, I believe, to do national service. So somebody sent you to 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 the to the forces to go and drill a bit of discipline into you, uh, Ian. What did that entail? Well, I think looking back now, there should be more people put to the forces, more young chaps to learn a lot more discipline. Uh, didn't do any harm anyway. 
but uh, did my national service uh, in the RAF. Okay, and where would where would you base then? Uh, a place called Padgate. In, oh goodness knows what shire it was. <laughs> it was like another world to be at that time. Anyway. Somewhere, de- somewhere down in England, yeah. anyway, and a lot of English people telling you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but um, did my two years there, and then when I came back, I uh, was fortunate enough to get a, a job with the Derklock herd. The Derklock herd is something, yes. something that I've studied quite a lot and a lot of our, our listeners will have heard of there with uh, uh, um, Mr. Weems Honeyman um, who was a textile yes. magnet and made a lot of money in that and had you any real, any idea how, how big and how, how how strong and what a force the Dirklock herd were when you went there or was it just you going just to another farm? I, w- I would think being, being honest about it, Dirklock were middle of the league I would imagine you know they weren't at the top, but they were well recognised. We you know, certainly were um, well recognised. As some of the females came out of Dirklock that we can look back in the histories of the Angus and realise that they underpinned the females underpinned a lot of other herds as well. And, and uh, for all that, they weren't great names in them, they, they, they on on the bulls perhaps they, certainly in the forties and fifties Dirklock were. Uh, that's were right. Well, I was yeah, I was thinking about you know bull sale wise. You know they were they were pretty near the top sometimes, but mostly. Middle of the line, I would say. Un- yeah, underestimated by that. And I seem to remember you telling me when we spoke before this time ago that uh, you went there, and I think you were the fourth or fifth stockman in a line. That it shows what sort of a well, what sort there's of that a... actually. <laughs> Aye, it seems ridiculous now, but there was actually five stockmen. There was the head stockman. There was a, a stockman on the cows, a stockman on the bulls. Another stockman on the foster cows, would you imagine? And then myself at the bottom of the line as a general gopher. That's uh, (laughs) how it was at the time, and I don't know how how they did it. I mean, nowadays they'd be trying to do the same work with probably two men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. And it wouldn't be a big herd either, the Dirk. Like, I don't think that, well, maybe not a big herd. No, no, I'd imagine there'll only be 150 cows, maybe. And the... and that's what it seems more more ridiculous when I look back and think about all these stockmen, what the, what they or we got to do every minute of the day. I just can't think about it. And you do you do more work you do more work than some of the older ones as well. It'll be the young ones that got to actually to do to do a bit harder work. And there must be some people sitting about smoking cigarettes. Eh? No, that's all right, Andy. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, the head, the head stockman, who was the manager's son, by the way. All right. And he did a little or nothing. <laughs> so he's, he's, uh, he's not here with us now, and I probably wouldn't be able to say that. <laughs> who else was there with you, Ian, at Turklick at the time? Was there anybody else of note? A chap called Sandy Booth, who went on to be manager of the weight performance station at Buxburn. In Aberdeenshire, right. uh, he was there as the mole man. His brother Hector Booth was—he was in charge of the cows, and then another old guy was there. I just forget now that did the foster cows, you know. It's incredible, and I've been looking at the history and studied some of the history of the Angus and uh, doing a bit more work in it again now. And uh, yes, you're right. Some of those foster cows—they would be two foster cows to every bull in, in, in back in those days. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. We out there. I mean, some of the bulls had their own mother, a foster mother, another foster mother. You know, and we're out there tying these foster cows up. A lot of them kickers didn't want the bulls to suck. Uh, we tied them up about uh, half five in the morning. That was always the first job. Really? Stuck on the calves, stuck on the bull calves, and. Uh, and that was that was bulls that were being getting being prepared for Perth, and of course there were no more much and younger than a, a year at the time. Well, uh, just over a year when I went to Perth. There's been some some talk since that the foster cows in the breed did did, did the, the traditional breeds. I won't just point at the Angus, but did they breed a little bit of harm because the mothers didn't need to be milkers anymore because they oh, foster just cows bred, 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 aye, bred the milk right out of the cows. Yes, uh-huh. mm-hmm. 
That's certainly right, Andy. Great, a yeah. great idea, but in hindsight, probably not so such a good one. And Ian, I know you're a sportsman. You, you were a sportsman then. You still love your sport to this day. But uh, you played football. Uh, Madge, was he any good at football? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was quite good at actually. I think he would have been picked for Scotland. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but, I remember you telling me that that uh, you wanted to go and play train for football on a weekend, and they needed you to, to train, and uh, and they wouldn't let you go because you got to stay there and muck out the bulls because the other guys didn't want to. Do well, it. that's that's right, Andy, um, and that's true because I thought when I when I left RAF and got a start with Delta, you know, that was sort of oh, quite exciting for me at the time, uh, just to learn some more about uh, cattle, and. Uh, after I was there a while, I thought, well, I'll be getting off to play for you know, on a Saturday afternoon, play football. The manager said, no, you can't do that. You're not getting off because I had to work every, uh, I'd got every third weekend off. And also, what I think on it, I liked the training in the evening, one evening a week at Banlug Football Club. Uh, in the winter time, with you know the floodlights up and that for training, and I couldn't even get off to go to the training because uh, when the he- when the the bull stock man was doing the mash and the bulls at uh, eight o'clock at night, I had to go behind him when he do- when he was doing the mash and uh, go into each pain after he'd mashed the bull when the bull was up eating at the, at the trough. Uh, to muck out any shit that was lying about and shake up the bedding and that was every night so therefore there's no way I could get away to do uh, training so that's so I suffered that I, I liked it I liked it to be quite honest I liked working with the cattle but uh, the football got the better me to finish up and I, I think about 18 months or a couple of years or something I decided that I'd had enough um, and uh, was fortunate enough to negotiate another situation looking after a, a small uh, a hundred acre farm for a, a hotel proprietor at uh, the Rattle and uh, so that's, that's what happened. I went up there and was there until until I got married, actually. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I really loved that job because the hotel proprietor just left me to it. And so I gained a lot of experience working on my own there as well. Sure. Uh, the, the, the land was rented off a major garden. And the, when they, they knew that we were to be married or I was to be married, and he sent his factor to have a word with me to see if I would be interested in going up to Invergarry in Invernessshire uh, to manage a wee place, again about 100 acre, with uh, Highland cattle and cross Highland Shorthorn cattle. So, yeah, so I worked away until uh, the Tilt Hotel until I was married. We got married and then moved right up to Invergarry Home Farm. Well, being in, um, in or oh, both of you being as it's your 60th wedding anniversary, obviously it was a marriage that worked. And uh, Marge, I want to ask you, what what was it attracted you to this uh, this little guy with a lot of talk there that uh, knew a bit about cattle there to 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 become his husband? Where did where did you meet Ian? Where did we meet? Just locally, and I would say just yeah. between the football. My brother played for the football club, and my father was a great. Um, ambassador for the club as well so it was you know yeah it was just family but that's and is that is that home to you uh marge that blair athol area is that is that where you're from then ballinlug yeah that's where i'm ballinlug marge lived in the village but she worked in putlochry in as a a secretary clark case for a solicitor firm not involved in agriculture at that time much not really no um just when we went to Invergarry, of course i did then because ian was on his own and i suppose i was on my own too at that point and um 
we just became a team at that time yeah. and <laughs> but you know Madge, Madge like over that. the years has got more and more involved in cattle can actually uh, you know uh, judge them now if it, if it came to the bit and uh, but she's kept all the records and everything over the years too uh, wherever we've been well Madge, uh, so she's been really good Madge you must have been a good judging man as well because uh, you picked a good one there I, I, I think everybody else will agree with that apart from you maybe yourself yeah. <laughs> The thing, the thing yeah. was, Andy, there wasn't, yeah, exactly. there wasn't many men about Balnadug to pick from, that's the thing. Just a tiny village. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, you must have seen something anyway, because you guys, as I said, have been together for 60 years. And as you said, at, at Invergari there, you, you had your own, your own reign a little bit, and that gave you a little bit more understanding, I suppose, with managing livestock and, and managing managing yourself and yeah. managing your time and, and still getting out to play a bit of footy. That was uh, it was a good win-win for you. Yeah, well, it was, you know, the tilt, the tilt had tilt as well. You know, the, the platter never never bothered me. Just let me go on and it was the same really in Vergari. But in Vergari, Andy, after, I think, three years, Three years, but I began to realise, you know, it was a good situation for a person like myself starting, or a retired or semi-retired man. But I was too ambitious, to be quite honest. Uh, and so I looked further afield. Uh, Major Gordon wasn't a happy man, I can tell you. Because <laughs> he could be do it over the phone. Uh, <laughs> For leaving him, but anyhow, he understood. I, when I told him, he, he understood uh, my situation, and uh, and I moved on. Let's just go back to, to to Major Gordon for a second, because you told me again on our very first podcast, all those 125 episodes ago, that uh, remember you saying that you brought cattle down to Royal Smithfield Show on the train with a, with, oh, with a coal fire. Would that be from there? Would it be with high? That was from, from there. That was yeah. And that was my very first uh, uh, outing with with uh, commercial Highlanders. I went to the, the Scottish National in the old Edinburgh Waverley Station, okay. where it was held at that time. And our only steer that we had was was champion steer. Right. And the the major, uh, he would name it lately. He called him Ian of Invergarry. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, then Eva and Vagari, we went down on the the, the cattle train, uh, and myself, I didn't know anybody to be quite honest, uh, except I met two main Highland people from Dunside Herd and the Lee's Castle Herd. Okay. So they were with me sort of for company as well. So I can always remember. Uh, in the guards van, I suppose. It would be, well, it wouldn't be the guards van. It was the equivalent of a guards van. Uh, and in the corner of this old van, we just had wooden seats to sit around. There were sort of forms round the side. And there was uh, a coal fire. And spare coal there just to, <laughs> to keep the fire going as you went on. So... But yeah, that was true, Andy. That's uh, brilliant. And uh -huh. you say Duneside and Lays Castle. You're talking Duneside, obviously one of the top uh, um, herds yeah. in the Angus of, of Lady McRobert or the McRobert family, a fantastic right. family. And Lays Castle again, as top as you could get within the Highlands. So they weren't just ordinary people. Yeah. You're talking, you're amongst some, some oh, no. fairly oh, fairly no. prevalent people. You'd earn a, you'd oh. learn a lot from that, Ian, I guess, because you'd be going down there dressing cattle, maybe with Highlanders. You wouldn't maybe have that much experience when you went down. No, nothing. Nothing at all, Andy. That was, you know, and, and uh, just watching these guys, uh, just you just learn a lot. You know, they were, they were at the top of the tree at the time with, with the Highland cattle, right? You know, and uh, so watching them, yeah, you gain something every day. Yeah. And would that be Bill Shan this time? Would I be right with with uh, with no, inside no. before Bill, is it? No, it was a chap McKechnie, Dave John McKechnie, his name was. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. But uh, I don't know, that might have been after the chap that you're talking about. Oh, I don't so know. When would we be talking? That, um, it would be the, the, the winter of 65. Okay. Because so. our first daughter was born in 
the summer of 65. Okay, so I'm... And then you moved on, Ian, you said you were being ambitious and uh, the job with Mrs. Walker came up in Ayrshire yeah. and uh, and that would have yeah. been a, a big chance for you to take that one on. And, and it was, uh, Andy, and I realise it was, and although I'll never know, but I would imagine it would be through uh, Major Gordon okay. that I would get that. Uh, because I remember fine uh, that when I wrote to uh, Mr. Walker regards to the new art job, she wrote back and she said that she had a short, a short rate of 16 and she was just about to, you know, make her mind up. But she would still like me to go for an interview. So we went to Newark for the interview and, well, we just had to wait and see what happened. And, of course, in these days it was telegrams <laughs> that you got. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Madge, uh, I'd been out at my work and when I went in at whatever, 10 o'clock or whatever, or lunchtime, I don't know, what did you say to me, Mads? Uh, yes, well, I was pregnant with uh, Lynn, her second daughter then, you know, so I was still in bed. And when I got up, here was a telegram sitting where the postman just put things in our back door. And um, I thought, mm, that's funny so I opened it up and then this was from Mrs Walker and it said yes we'd like you to come oh, wow. uh -huh. uh, we'll speak we'll speak on the phone or yeah. something yeah. and that was it yeah, yeah I could have haven't been, been there for the interview and uh, been taken round the, the, the place into yeah. you know around the smaller state yeah I visualised it and I could have jumped out of myself. <laughs> I bet you. I bet oh. you. And just give me a little bit of history, Ian, of Mrs. Walker, because I mean we know of what you, of, of how well you did there. But I mean, was she was on her own? Um, what was her background, Mrs. Walker, from at Newark, the, the farm at Newark? I don't know if she was off farming uh, background at all. Uh, I don't really think she was, but she. Her husband was a QC in Edinburgh. Okay. And the first two or three years, well, I was there 20 years, but the first two or three years until her husband retired, they lived in Edinburgh. Mrs. Walker lived in Edinburgh. And they came to New York Castle maybe every weekend or second weekend until uh, uh, Mr. Walker retired. And so it was just after that that she was there most of the time okay. uh, and I got to know her better as the years went on a lovely lovely lady a, re a real lady a real lady not a title lady but a real lady a real, yeah a real lady and you went there you I would know later on in, in your days at Newark that you would have some direct bloodlines from harvest and dispersal and some cows from Manor Hill but was that some of the cattle you took there or did you get there when were the cattle there already no when I, when I went there, there was a, she had a, a commercial herd. That was mainly commercial. Okay. And uh, so there'd be probably a hundred commercial cows, and I think there was five Angus. Now, these five Angus, they were originated from Manor Hill and and Harveston. Okay. Uh, and so, and she said to me that, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking now what she said to me after the other while. I was maybe getting too anxious on the having the Angus side. She says, Well, I don't want uh, too many Anguses, too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, the years went on and she got more enthusiastic, just like myself, and got more into the Angus breed and then eventually became the first lady president right. of the Angus breed. Yeah. That's right. So that's how she changed, yeah. That's right, and as you said, in your 20 years there, I remember you saying to me you're one of the few herds left in the country when it got into the into the yep. the, 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 the 70s, late 70s, that uh, a few hangers, yeah. hangers herds that still never brought any Canadian blood. It was all good old-fashioned Angus, uh, good, cattle, yeah. good cattle. Well, yeah, that, that's right, but, but uh, to be quite honest now, she give me about my chance to say yeah or nay and she said to me 
you know, that all the all go in for the Caucasians now. She didn't particularly like them. But if I wanted, I could have a few. Okay. And I said to Mrs. Walker, you're happy with what you want, you're doing. I'm happy with the type of cattle that I like. And so, therefore, I would rather just stay with tra- traditional breeds, tra- traditional types, I should say. But you did. So, you brought you brought a bull in, I think, from Ireland. I would say Ballycair Pride and uh, Ballycair Pride. He, yeah, he went on and did extremely well for you. Your choice, I think, buying that bull, and he went on and and what did he win? He was reserve at the Highland twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, well, he, he won his class uh, one year anyway. I think he won two years in the trot. But anyway, one year he won, uh, Andy, in a class of 20 aged bulls. Wow. Aged bulls? 20. That's a big class. 20 aged bulls. Mm -hmm. And it was the late Tom Brewers of Eastfield that was judging that day. And uh, you think nowadays, no, folk wouldn't believe you, but that is actual truth. Mm, Yeah. That's a big class. I remember seeing it at, at, uh, at the Yorkshire show last year when there was, I think, about 12 or 14 aged short-horn bulls, and you realise when you see classes that size of big bulls, what a, the way it fills the ring there. So 20 aged bulls would be a hell of a yeah, sight there and a hell of a thing to win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And you went on from uh, uh, from that same, I think that was 1977, would I say, and you went on that same year and you had reserve champion best bulls as the same year, yeah? Reserve champion seventy seven, and then uh, we had the champion in eighty five. Okay. Uh, now the supreme champion in eighty five was the only bull catalogued with no Canadian blood. Okay. The only Angus bull catalogued with no Canadian blood when he was champion, and although he was a senior bull, right enough, he was the heaviest uh, weight gain bull. Uh, in the show, and his name was Emlyn of Newark. Newark is that one? But you're doing, Madge. Where do we get the name Emlyn? That sounds Welsh. Out of Emily of. Oh, East Navy, yeah. Yes, East Navy. Emily of East Navy it was a heifer that I bought um, uh, from East Navy, okay. and I bought her privately. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. So that's yeah, that was the name of her. Okay. And we step back just a year. Uh-huh. Step back a couple of years. You had a bull proud infidel of West Drums, obviously from from Smithy, which you you we, shared for, with yeah. Mary Smallwood down in, in there in yeah. Mary down in Devon somewhere. Yeah. That that was a very well travelled bull, if I remember. He won a lot of shows as well. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he just he knew where he was going. When he was going on the wagon to head south or <laughs> on the wagon to head north again. <laughs> Oh, a great nature bully was too. And Mary was some yeah. Mary was some character as well. Mary Smallwood, rather than oh. uh, Mrs. Walker. Oh, I'll never never see her likes again. No. <laughs> and you know, she was a character, and her and Mrs. Walker were tremendous friends over the years. But they were, in a way, completely different types. Yeah. You know, uh, they like well. Mary liked her drums, as you probably know. I do. And the likes, the likes, uh, just imagine, well, she always came up to air show. And we always had, Maja and I always had uh, a few folk back at the house for a party after air show. And the, the, the toffs, as I would call them, they would have a party at the castle. Uh, Mr. Walker and her friends. But Mary was always with us. And we'd get the phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's still there yet. <laughs> Get it up here. The dinner's nearly ready. She's not dressed yet. <laughs> Mary would be quite the happy staying with us all night. Like. Fantastic. Oh, Fantastic woman. Character. What a character. And, and she, I remember her turning up at the shows always. When I was down in the States with her, Jack Russell, she had two or three of those in tow as well. And she was, oh, she was something else. Talking about Jack Russell, I remember one time we were down in England somewhere and it was after the show we were going to some dinner or something after it and uh, I remember the late Fred Smith if you can remember Do Fred Smith yeah, yeah. He, was with, he was with us anyway so there was uh, and some of the buddy in the front with Mary and this Madge and I and, and uh, Fred in the back so we got out to go to this do 
<laughs> spend about half an hour trying to get the hair off her suit. <laughs> the, the Mary was covered with the hair as well, but she never got it. She just walked in. That was hard. No, no. <laughs> some some woman wasn't she? And I did. I, I was fortunate enough to go and um, interview Mary just before she died. And and uh, yeah, she'd been that way all her life. Didn't give a bugger about anything and could swear like take it or leave her. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant, brilliant times. And and Ian, you moved on then to the herd at um, Newark were dispersed in 1985, and then you got a would I say a golden opportunity really to uh, to be taken on. Again, I would imagine through interviews yeah. by, by Robert Montague to to go to Rushmore Farms. Yeah, well, what happened in that case? Uh, Mrs. Walker gave up farming um, to hand the farm over to her son uh, at the time, who was a merchant banker. Uh-huh. He knew nothing about farming, but um, and it was for capital gains tax reasons at the time. Uh, that she handed over earlier than maybe she would have liked to. But anyhow, I had the uh, uh, offer of staying on with uh, her son, Archie Walker. Um, but I went to, up for a, an interview with him, and I had no paperwork, nothing at all, I just thought it was a chat. <laughs> anyhow, he wasn't long in telling me that the cattle had all to go. He was a merchant banker. No, he thought about his money. Uh, so all cattle had to go, and he'd be putting on a, a lot more sheep. The sheep was the most paying thing at the time. So beggars can't be choosers. As you know, my daughters were all born and bred there. and uh, But within a week, talk about pipeline news or whatever you call it, you know, uh, jungle drums or whatever you call it. But anyway, I came home from the tea one evening and Mad said uh, it was Alistair Mackay, okay. the Shirley Society Secretary. And Mad said, well, I'm not in. said, well, I'll phone later on. So when I came home, I got this the phone call again. And uh, and Alistair said, would you be, you'd heard, you know, that Mrs. Walker was backing up sort of thing. Would you be interested in a situation south? Didn't say where, South Scotland, South England. So anyway, I said, well, I didn't want to let anybody know that maybe I wasn't going to be happy there. So I just said, oh, yeah, well, well have an interview at the Highland show. Well, we had cattle entered for the Highland anyhow. A team saw a mate. I met Alison Mackay at the Highland, and he told me about this chap, uh, Mr. Montague, that was wanting to set up a Charlotte herd uh, down in Kent. So, yeah, it seemed very interesting. So he said, well, I get to himself and yourself to be in contact with her. So we got uh, a letter from his secretary, plane tickets, went down the Saturday forenoon to Kent, to Rushford Farm, met himself and his wife, and how he painted the picture of what he visualised, because there was, no, there was no house for us, there was no farm steading, there was just an old tin shed, and he had bought about 80-odd acres of land. <laughs> with hardly a fence. <laughs> and although he convinced me so much, he came over so sincerely that I just said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we went back. I didn't say yes, sorry. Uh, we went back up in the plane, and I knew going back up the plane, Madge and I talking, that that's where we want to be. Yeah. So that's where we ended up uh, and had to start from scratch. But I had negotiated, if I was to come, that I would get my own cattle, which I had about six, six cattle, I think, six Angus. That was no bother. Where would you get them? And of course, I told them uh, those dispersables. Uh, no, I'd get them, but I got bold and said, uh, wouldn't it be ideal if maybe your wife or your, one of your sons had a small Angus herd as well as your Charlie's? 
Uh, well, where would we get there, he said. I said, well, the this, this, this special sales coming off. Yeah. Oh, well, how much would you need? Oh, I said, half a dozen. How much would the cost? I said, well, I don't know, but I'd be hoping it would be a damn good sale. I'd be hoping to try and get the best ones. <laughs> Anyhow, that was done, and we went uh, back up, knowing that that would, that would happen, and so we landed. We landed down in Kent, which was heartbreaking for us. We'd, we had uh, mortgaged a small house in a village uh, called Coylton, uh, near near here, for our three girls. Karen was a hairdresser in that wee village. She had her own business. Lynn was working in the bank. And Don had just started as a clerk in the... Uh, the station hotel in Ayr. So at least they're all had jobs. But anyway, that particular morning, uh, we were leaving. Our our uh, furniture was gone the day before uh, to go into storage, by the way, because he, he, he had, he, Mr. Wondergood had rented a house for us about two miles from the farm, fully furnished. And so anyway, at, uh, at the time... We had, we had uh, a dog, uh, a bitch with six pups, and a wee trailer at the back of a car, a dog with six pups, and all our frozen beef out of the freezer was was left the, the night before at the late Dave Smith. At Coilton, at the Coilton Mains, where he worked at the time, we a chap love. So anyway, we left the girls, and it was heartbreaking. Just they wouldn't even come out. They just looking out the windows, and we knew it wasn't just a holiday we were away on. So then we landed at Dave and Frieda's place to collect this beef. <laughs> so they take the dogs, the pops out first, put the beef in the front of the trailer, put the dogs at the back, and you know that Sunday, there's none of them spoke a word. And Dave was quite a hard wee man. You would think nothing would bother him. He couldn't speak either. But we're just, I would say anything, yeah, we're all choked up. But anyway, that's how much we we appreciated Dave and Frisia, and I think vice versa, because we're great pals over the years. Uh, and I always say, our tells me that we'll be way, way down Birmingham or three places before I or she could speak to me, and I just give her a tap on the knee now and again. <laughs> It'll be all right. <laughs> very, very, very brave, Sorry. brave move, and it, it's a measure of you, Ian, because you knew what you were going to, and you got a, a free reign and a lot of money to start and 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 make a yeah. name for yourself, if you like. And and uh, as you say, brave move, leaving the family behind and going down there. But you went down there and you made a good fist of it, didn't you? And and uh, and, and then then you got the chance to design the steading. I think I think you built your own house as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, what what happened? Uh, the boss put an uh, application for to build a house, and it was thrown out. Okay. And he expected it to be thrown out, so he just uh, uh, reapplied. And in the meantime, he started building the stead. Now it wasn't a huge stead by any means, enough to hold 40, 40 cows plus a few bull pens, etc. But um, Anyway, he said, just go and make whatever it is, just do the drawings out there. He would get the architect, blah, blah, blah. I had to sit with the architect and go through this. And the, and also a cattle handling system. Uh, so that was all done. And and I just imagined, well, it would be done with a normal just breeze block, you know, which it was done with breeze block. But after it was built, he got the builders... The boss got the builders to build three small, um, I call them dikes, but um, walls, the wee walls, right? Three wee walls with different uh, types of brick, you know, different uh, patterns of brick. And so he chose the, the breeze brick walls was done, all done with a skin of brick, fancy brick. So that was all done. And then eventually, two years later, got the, the the permission to put the house up, and it was done in exactly the same. And it was just about oh, what maybe 
50, 60 yards from the farm building. Brilliant. I built the wee office and everything, and uh, so it was very smart. Brilliant. Yeah. So you were there renting for a while, but then they built the house. They said to build to move into a place. It's everybody. The youngsters listen. A lot of people, youngsters listen to this podcast, and to have the opportunity to get a telephone from somebody and say, right, I want to start a herd, and I want to start a steading, and I want to, you know, to build a house, and to have the opportunity to do the whole of that thing uh, was pretty much a free reign by the sound of it, Ian. And then you got the chance to. Probably the best chance, or your your favourite chance, maybe, is to choose the stockman that you took with you, and and you chose well. Uh, the first thing I, I, I did have was the Angus cattle down, of course, my own plus the ones I bought for for the estate, um, and then uh, my next task was to find Charlie's, which was to be the main thing. So I went out with Jack Young one time and Ian uh, Thompson another time to view different herds and this particular was Jack Young and that was uh, what's now Roburn and that was um, Roxburgh Mains and it was just a small herd and there were about 15 maybe or 16 half of them were pulled so I purchased a whole lot because I knew poles were being talked about at the time. I thought, well, maybe better have a few. So that was one herd, a small herd anyway, I bought. And then the next time I went away and looked at a few roundabout uh, with uh, Ian Thompson. And eventually we landed at uh, Calderham. Um, Tommy Hanley was the man's name. He's probably dead and gone now. But uh, so I bought all of his, and that was about 14, I think. And that was cows plus, you know, two-year-olds, young, yearling heifers, etc. Um, so that was where we started. And then after that, we went to some of the the, the specials here, Mead, I remember being at Mead, and well, some of these other sales. So we picked up a few roundabouts, you know, you w- after that. You wouldn't be experienced in the Shirley's at that time. Obviously, you'd have known. I was, you'd, Smithy, would I be, Smithy would be going to Canvas Barren where they'd be getting a few in there, and, and, and it was the time for you guys that had been in the Angus to get into the Shirley's, but you would, yeah, you'd be taking a yeah. punt on some of these. Yeah, it was, you'd, you'd learn fast, in other words. But I always think if you know one uh, cattle beast of breed, they're all much, basically much the same. That's the way that I see it, you know. And it was the same with the Highlanders, and we had the Shorthorns as well at Newark, you know. And uh, I just took to the ball equally, you know. And, and you would be in a time where there were one or two uh, wealthies. I mean, it, it had happened back through the 50s and the 60s, where the, the, the moneyed gentlemen in, in the South with, with uh, other, yeah. other businesses putting their money into to agriculture, maybe for different reasons they did in, in the 50s, but there would be others, there would be Bagrave uh, um, starting up there, there would be Shadwell, of course, was started by the Arabs, and uh, you guys yeah. would all be much in the same time, all picking up the same animals to start uh, in um, McDonald was at, at Bagrave, and you guys would probably be bidding, right. bidding against each other to uh, to put these herds together, roughly around about the same time in that middle 80s. Yeah, but the funny thing is, you know, when you say that, Andy, I never ever looked at at it in that way. I I looked at it. I was fairly conscious of that maybe being a fact that people would say, "Oh yeah, 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 it's all right. You can see the, you've got the money to do." It. I didn't look at it that way at all. I looked at the cattle that I liked and cattle I wanted to buy. And if I thought that the you know if cattle were going over what I was wanting to do, I would just stop. Okay. I wouldn't. They run up. No way. Okay. No way. Never would have done that. Yeah. No. Okay. I was doing it as though I was doing it for myself. Because okay. I I still had to um, you know uh, report back and other words you know. And I would never I'd never make, try and make a fool of myself. I never would do that. Sure, but you'd fall on your sword if you didn't get them right. And I understand that. But you, as you said, you took your own herd, your Dulcrest herd of. Angus down there, and let's just go on to those in yeah. a second. Your your Dalcrest herd you'd started a while ago, I think, with a uh, Joanna Erica, and and uh, and, you, and you'd done, you'd had a reasonably good herd under your belt as well. 
Yeah, I say that, uh, you know, I didn't have my own uh, cattle before. Mrs. Walker gifted me two heifers. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, and it just uh, went on from there. Mm -hmm. But but um, when I went to Mr. Montague's, uh, Rushmore, Mrs. Walker also gifted me um, a heifer that had lost her calf. And she said, no, I don't want to put it into the sale. I'm going to give you that heifer and some semen. Uh, so that's that's what she did. So I went down down to uh, Rushmore. And the semen uh, was by, uh, I think it was Proud Infidel. Anyway, got a heifer and calf. And the resulting calf was a bull calf that eventually went to Perth and was and was champion, junior champion, an overall champion. So that was like a fairy tale in itself. That was your your first trip up, I think, from Rushmore to go to to Perth with yeah. Carl that, that 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 you were breeding for them, and, and and you took your own beast on the back of the wagon. I think you told me Dolcrest yeah. Black Blackthorn, yeah, and as you said, he he was champion, uh, I guess, that day. So I'd, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be up with Charlie's, and then he was there. Uh, Angus Bull, uh -huh. and he was ju that yeah. was ju judged by Harry Cook that year, I think, and Harry, a great man yeah. as well. Yeah, that was Harry Cook. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Harry, Harry used to, he used to show at Smithfield. Mm -hmm. Harry Cook as well, and grandfather uh -huh. Harry Cook, grandfather, of course, of Mike Alford, who's uh, great That's show. Right. Nowadays, he was well up on the limits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's up in everything Maybe. these days. Everything yeah, these days. Yeah. But you had a great run at Rushmore, didn't you? You were there. I don't know how long you were there, but you had Highlanders there as well, didn't you? And and didn't you break the breed record with the Highlanders from Rushmore? I think you, you, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, the Highlander, the champion Highlander, um, at the old market in Oban, and uh, so anyway, he was champion, and of course, but always a big party uh, after there was the, the Highland Cattle Society dinner. Remember it well. And, uh, well, Charlie McLean was with me at the time. And uh, so anyway, this would be, I don't know, probably one or two in the morning. And we'd had a few coffees or whatever you have at these things. And uh, Charlie, it was Charlie again. I'll leave Charlie for everything. So Charlie said to me, what are they? there was a paper plane away up in the, the gods. And this balcony way up in the, the open halls, I think it was called. He said, what? Look at the piper to, to pipe the bull into the ring tomorrow morning, the seal. <laughs> and I said, oh, of course, the wood you're in at the time, yeah, you'll do anything, OK. <laughs> so, so I said, I said, well, how are we going to get the piper to do that? You know, well, he says, I know him. So I said, well, on you go organise. So Charlie went, organised that with the piper. And, of course, the next uh, morning, the first thing I did was make sure it was OK with auctioneer. And, uh, yeah, that was no problem. And at that time, it was when all the foreigners were there buying Highland Cow. Germans, Danes, and all the Swiss and all the rest of it. And the old market was absolutely packed to the girls uh, ringside. I was there, and I was there at that sale. Oh, you were there? I was there. You were there, yeah. there. Well, you'll know the rest. But anyhow, but prior to that, well, our bull would be about forced to be in because he was a senior. And uh, no sign of the piper. So I thought, oh, well, that's, that's that. So all of a sudden, we saw him coming, try, trying to run with his bag, <laughs> the box with the bagpipes in it. And I said, he's come, here he is, Charlie. So anyway, the, the chap got there, and I said, he's trying to get them out of the box. I said, hurry up, the bloody thing's bumped up. <laughs> so anyway, by the time he got started up, our bull was still just two to go. Uh, but anyway, got them going. And um, so Charlie's leading the bull around the ring. I went up the rostrum. The piper walked around in front of him. Uh, it was just absolutely magic. But, you know, prior to that, we're thinking to ourselves, now, see, he makes little of nothing. It's just going to be an absolute flop. <laughs> but anyway, he was away off at 10,000 in no time, and I was like, oh, well, that doesn't matter. As long as he's at least 10,000, that's fine. So it went on to be 18,000, which was a record at the time. 
And of course, we were all quite excited at thing, and with no no mobiles at that time. So I headed out into the street to find the nearest telephone box to phone my boss in London. So I got him, I told him the story. Whether he appreciates what it all meant, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose 18,000 was nothing to him. Like. But anyhow, I said, I don't think that, uh, that that record would ever be beat in our time, in our lifetime. And away I went back, and one of the first charts I met was Glenn Fletcher, the Scottish farmer. Aye, your, your records did a last love. And I said, how? He says, a reserve champion made 20,000. <laughs> so I, I went down like a flat balloon, burst balloon, that was it. <laughs> now that was Seamus of, of Penny Gowan, I think, wasn't it? Seamus of Second of Penny Gowan. Yes, that beat them. Uh-huh. And, and, and oh, one, of, one of those was bought by, if I remember right, the German, because I ended up going to Germany to hear Baumers, and I think one of them was bought by Baumer, and the other one was bought by a, by the, the musician um, Pete Waterman, wasn't it? The, 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 uh, Waterman, it's, it's something Aiken and Waterman. That's uh, it, yeah. Something, uh, uh, something aching in Watermelon. I think some of our younger yes. members won't even know what we're talking about. But yes. because, um, fantastic uh, musicians, or not fantastic musicians, but uh, they did bring us Kylie Minogue, and we've we got a love of them that, for that. And, and uh, yes, that was uh, those great occasions in those old in those old marts. And then, uh, uh, and then, and then, Ian, uh, the other thing I would mention, you've got to blame Charlie again now, is you were the first man to clip out a Highlander for Smithfield, and I've done that job a couple of times since, clipping out Highlanders, oh, shaving, shaving them off and fetching uh, them down, but uh, you were the first one to bring a, bring a Highlander to Smithfield, trimmed out like a fat stocker, and that was a, that was a great day. <laughs> I'm going to correct I'm going to correct you again, Andy. I got the blame. It was, early, and it was Charlie <laughs> the Queen, but he did ask me, and I said, oh, yeah, on you go, Charlie. So we did, we had two, uh, and we, cl- we clipped one. We, we would never have dreamt in clipping a, a female, of course, you know, just just a steer. And it was only to to show, you know, sort of the commercial side of them, as it were, you know. Um, and some folk liked it, some folk didn't like it, but it was just an exercise. And... Uh, yeah, just a bit of fun. It started uh-huh. a trend because I got, at the time, I was dressing a lot of cattle and, and uh, I got into clipping a few of those out there. For, I did one for for the 200 centenary and for the, the Queen Mother at the Highland Show and then I did one at, uh, at Oban at the Mart when they moved to the new Mart and the, the Princess Anne was standing there watching when I did a demonstration clipping one of those out and then she gave me an absolute bollocking saying I've just ruined it completely so not everybody oh. not everybody loved it you're yeah. right but it, but it was yeah. it, it's good to see what they are and, and the Highland Beef and I've done a, a podcast on the Highland Cattle and the Highland Beef are a, it, it, it eats bloody well and, and uh, it's still yeah to this day it's still yeah. a, a damn good product yeah. to, that's right the West that's Coast. right uh huh uh-huh. And uh-huh. then you, then you moved on. I think. Uh, uh, well, what happened? I'm not sure. With Rushmore, did they did they close or fold or or, or just sold on or, or what happened? You moved on to. Yeah. Well. The, yeah. The, the Rushmore had was sold the lock, stock, and barrel at uh, Litchfield, and, and and well, that was just the end. The Angus Highland sure and is. the Charleys, of course. Yeah. But with a, with a great sale, I must say, what a tremendous sale! The top price of twenty thousand uh, for a Charlie cow, and uh, it was eleven thousand for a Highlander. Yeah. So yeah, end of our average was very good too, with a really good sale. And, yeah. and, and then from there, I'm going to suggest the late nineties now, mid nineties. You went on to. Uh, to Harveston and you went back to and, and and my podcast listeners on here, you podcast listeners out there will know the name of Harveston, one of Jay Kerr, one of the greatest Angus breeders or greatest cattle breeders probably has yeah. ever, been, ever been in this world and uh, and his daughter oh, yeah. had taken on the farm by then and, and uh, Lucy Poet and you went on to 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 um to manage the, 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 a herd or set up a herd for her, but she wasn't interested in having Angus cattle that her her father no, had. Well, that, that was his granddaughter. His granddaughter, I beg your pardon. Yeah. Granddaughter, yes, aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. And she, she but, wasn't interested in having Angus cattle because of what uh, what uh, Ernest Kerr had done yeah, in his lifetime. She, so she, she went in for Shirley. Yeah, she knew she couldn't emulate the, her grandfather. So, um, so 
so she she just decided that she wanted Charlie's. And again, I was a, a fortunate person in a way because I was at an age where most people wouldn't want to know you. But it was through a great friend, auctioneer Jack Young, okay. who had been in, you know, the, the poets had uh, asked him if they knew of a, a man uh, to do that job. And, and Jack mentioned to me and, you know, and I was obviously looking for something at the time to keep me going until I retired, as it were. And and so that, yeah, that that was it. But uh, but uh, you know, har- harvesting uh, an, an old-fashioned estate, but a, a, a lovely estate, been one of the great estates in its in, in its day. Um, uh, it was pretty rough, to be quite honest, when we went there. And I hate rough dust, so I managed to get everything, you know, I think tidied up and to the way that the way we wanted and give the poets a due. We've got bullpens made the same way as I had them made at, uh, at Rushmore. And um, so, yeah, everything, everything went fine. And uh, uh, I, w- I was never, never bothered, you know, the post never bothered me. Just okay. Long things were going, that was fine, yeah. Okay, good. And and you yeah. had a house there, and uh, a little bird tells me that uh, you are very interested in your gardening, and Madge, that's probably you rather than Ian, but both of you love your gardening. And oh, you had, yeah. You had a garden oh, well. there in, in the cottage there, and, and, uh, and <laughs> that, that somebody took Yeah, when, when we retired, uh, we, we bought a piece, piece of land, actually. It was just like a quagmire, but anyhow... We've got the bungalow, and uh, uh, we gradually got the. Mind that was twenty-one year ago, so mm-hmm. gradually got the garden into shape, and and um, yeah, we're quite we're quite proud of it now. Uh, I'm I'm never out of work because uh, my boss just sits on a seat and tells me to do this, <laughs> to do that. Here <laughs> right there. Yeah, in the no, back. we share we we share it we share it. I can hear her right there yeah. in the background, but uh, uh, Lynn tells me that when you were at Harveston, you had a, a, a lovely garden there, and somebody walked by and said that'd be a nice place for a wedding, so you ended up uh, letting them have a wedding in your garden, is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. They will, when you, when you say that, Andy. Uh-huh. That house that we went to, it needed done to it, which they did, uh, to, give it, to make it a kind of, what would have kind of liked. There, there was literally no garden, yeah. but being what we are, we have to have nice, tidy, and we made it a lovely garden. And then there's this couple who lived just along the road, wondered they could have their wedding in the garden. Yeah. And of course, I had to tell it wasn't my house, but anyway, I uh, asked permission and they had the wedding in the garden. Yeah. The minister and all the rest of it, and there. Other guests, so yeah, so that that was good, and then we had another a, a letter actually that will probably might well still have it somewhere. This was from another, uh, was it a lady? Yeah, and tell the quickly. Until the quickly, so mm-hmm. tell Andy what she said. Uh, she uh, sent the letter, and um, she said, "If you're ever going to sell your house, would you?" Mind if we were first <laughs> in the queue, I suppose. You know, and I was like, oh, it's not our house, you know. <laughs> uh, but he, he liked it so much. Uh, well, that, that signifies somebody that works hard. And, and I, 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 I run a garden. I run a garden, and, and, and among other things. And you know, there's a lot of hard work in a garden, but it keeps you busy and, and keeps you going, doesn't it? It does. But, but you do. You do yeah. spend a, do spend a bit of your time watching and enjoying the sport as well, and, and and I'm told you're a Manchester United supporter. I'm not quite sure how that'll go down with all of our all of our customers there, but you enjoy <laughs> you enjoy your sport. The both of you, I think, you enjoy your football. We and, do, and, and we do, yeah. Madge has been the Manchester ground three times, I yeah. think. I've I've been there once, um, and uh, I think the reason that we are Man United supporters, probably because way back to Sir Alex Ferguson time, you know, uh, been, been a Scotsman and didn't and did so well. So. Abedonian, yeah, yeah. But that that's how it would be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. well, 
good with that. As I said, you know you enjoy that, and and uh, and, you, and and the pair of you have been uh, good breeders yourself, and you've got you've bred three lovely daughters, and all very attractive uh, daughters yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. and then your grandson, uh, well, you've got a few grandchildren, I'm sure, but your grandson yeah. Stuart, he's now. He's now the kiddie on the ground, I think, and uh, a carpenter by trade, I think, but uh, he's, he's a man that's uh, at the forefront yeah. of the cattle job right now. Uh, he's getting right into it. It took, it took him a wee while uh, when he was a, a, a teenager um, to get into it. He wasn't getting into it probably quick enough for his dad. Uh, but anyway, um, he wasn't forced. He's, he's gradually come into it in his own yeah. steam, as it were. You know, and, and in fact, he now he now has. Of course, the the commercial cattle that he's showing are his father's, uh, but he now has two or three pedigree limbs okay. of his own. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and he's got his partner, who's a vet, a local vet. She is also very very keen, and she she can she can show them damn near as good as what Lynn could in her heyday. Yeah, okay. so that's pleasing. That's pleasing us as well. Well, it's brilliant. They got great advice, and and as you said, Lynn showing them in the heyday, and all these people. Not everybody, but I think we have three or four thousand people listen to this podcast. And uh, when a lot of these people have been interviewed, and people I've had on this this podcast been interviewed, saying that one of the, the best beasts we would have seen would be Dancing Queen that came from Hugh and Lynn Dunlop, and and uh, yeah, back in the day yeah. when they they'd won Smithfield three times, and the very last Smithfield in in London, and everybody says for the best beast they've ever seen. I think I'm I'm up there with that one as well. And and uh, that was a good day, and and a damn good kissed party afterwards there. I can remember that yeah. one. I can remember you yourself, Andy. Yeah. Up on the top of the table, <laughs> singing. I forget what it was, it was. It was a good anyway, Adam. Oh, absolutely great, great I, times. I, I was on the door at that kiss party there. It was, uh, I, I was uh, with, with the late Donald Beggar who said, well, we've got, we got the security coming in trying to throw us out and I was left the man in the middle oh. to, try and, to try and stop the security <laughs> throwing. Aye, throwing aye, two, aye. 200 Scotsmen out of, out of um, <laughs> London without, uh, without a fight and I managed to do that commendably well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear, you, you managed to persuade them that it was okay. Yeah. It was okay for a while. And, and uh, yeah. I mentioned the late Donald Bigger. I'm going to be talking to, to, to Donald's sons in a couple of weeks and, and uh, you know, another great man that was involved in the job. Uh-huh. And, and well, I've got to congratulate you, as I said at the start of this 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 recording, that uh, on your 60 years married, and so the actual date will be on the day that this recording goes out there. So that's just fantastic. All right, all right, fantastic oh, well. to speak to the pair of you, and, and a great party you've got going there. And I know you two are party people because I've been in your company many times, and generally you're the uh-huh. last one. The pair of you are the last ones to leave a party. The first ones there, and the last ones to leave, and uh, always enjoying a good a, a good thrash. Uh, I hope we'll be here for the refill yet. <laughs> um, I hope so. Yeah. 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 And, and Lynn tells me to, to remind you that uh, uh, when she was, you know, her and her, and her two sisters were wee bands when you were out there with your new at cattle there at every show and they're patiently waiting for you to come mm. out of the beer tent, sitting on the kiss, yep. waiting for you to come out. Yeah. Three of them sitting on the kiss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be with her. With her Colleagues, you know, and uh, 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 but when you look you back, wouldn't Andy, you, you wouldn't dare do it now. But that no. time, for some reason, we took to get dressed, yeah. you know, to to go and drive. Everybody did it. Go yeah. and drive home, and uh, yeah. but anyway, we were, we were maybe lucky. We were naughty, but we were lucky. <laughs> some of those great names as well. I mentioned Dave Smith, Jimmy McMillan, Jimmy Martin, Dave Murray, Alistair uh-huh. Clark. Some 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 absolute classic people that, that were in amongst your company back then, and uh, yeah. pe- people you've called friends. But I think a lot of people between the two of you will they will know. Everybody knows who you are, but I think, as I said, it's not just they know who you are, but and and, and yeah, they're friends with you. But you're friends with them, and you take the time to make friends with everybody and and, and be friends with everybody. And remember everybody's names, and I think that's something that's a credit to the pair of you. And I really, personally, I, I, thank you for inviting me to to your party this weekend. And I think it'll be, you know, you, you are a very yeah, popular, well, very popular. You'll, you'll be missed, you'll be missed, Andy. But uh, yeah, but. Uh, I know, I know full well. You, you'll be telling the truth. You tried your very best to 
uh, to be there, and we appreciate that and very much. I did, yeah. I did indeed. And uh, so, you know, to the pair of you, I wish you a very happy 60th uh, wedding anniversary, and from everybody at Top Lines and Tales, it's been fantastic to talk to you, and uh, and they all wish you the best as well. Thank, thank you so much, Andy, for the, your time again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales. And I hope you'll all join me in congratulating Ian and Madge on such a fantastic milestone to reach their 60th wedding anniversary and the big party they've got going on this weekend. And if you're not going to the party, uh, please raise a dram to the pair of them. And I really appreciate your help there. And also, of course, I appreciate the fantastic sponsorship that we have from Harborough, who continue to support us uh, week on week. And to all you cattle breeders out there with uh, springtime just around the corner and turnite on the horizon, now might be the time to get those magnesium buckets in stock. And don't forget that Harbro Triple Mag buckets are great quality with multiple sources of magnesium to ensure your cows are covered against the, the risk of grass staggers. So please look out Harbro on the internet or contact your local representative. And while you're on the internet there, please go and have a look at our Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll see some great photographs that we've dug out for this episode and for all the other episodes as well. So, and as I said at the beginning of this show, then thank you very much for your continued support as we head towards 100,000 downloads.